You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio in New Haven, Connecticut. This is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into inspiring stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. When the holiday season rolls around, there's a heightened awareness of hunger and a desire by many to donate canned goods and turkeys and volunteer at soup kitchens. Hunger, however, is a problem all year round, and the struggle of being food insecure, living without enough food to nourish yourself, is very real for too many people. There are 41 million people in the United States facing hunger. The state of Connecticut, where we're located, is one of the 10 wealthiest states in the nation, and still there's more than half a million people here without enough food to eat each day. Hunger impacts people of all races and ethnicities and hits people who are Black, Latinx, and Indigenous at much higher rates than white people. The injustice of hunger is built into the laws and practices that keep certain communities segregated and living in poverty, and our guest today will not stand for it any longer. Wanda Perez, Junie Cullum, and Susan Harris are members of the New Haven chapter of Witnesses to Hunger, a group of people with lived experience of hunger and poverty who are advocating at the state and federal levels for food security. There is a painful stigma that exists around hunger and poverty and powerful myths that are perpetuated about people mooching off the system and using government assistance programs to avoid working. These women and other members of Witnesses to Hunger tell their personal stories to break apart the stigma and myths and make the realities of living with hunger seen and understood in hopes of making lasting change. Wanda, Junie, and Susan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Susan, I wonder if we could start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about what is Witnesses to Hunger and and the New Haven chapter? Sure. Like you said, we're a grassroots organization uh, made up of people with lived experience um, who want to do something about the food insecurity problem in New Haven. Uh, Witnesses was a project and a research project and advocacy, excuse me, at Drexel University in Philadelphia back in 2008. Uh, Fast forward to 2014, and it was brought to New Haven by Kim, Joanne, and Miracle. Uh, They tried to get it going with the photo voice project, uh, but it didn't take off. Uh, Again, in 2017, uh, Kim went around to reach out to her friends and coworkers and, well, not coworkers, but her partners and mm-hmm. different uh, groups that she she is affiliated with. And uh, in January 2018, uh, we met at uh, St. Paul's and St. James, uh, thanks to James the Kramer, church, yeah. uh, who runs Loaves and Fishes, and that was our first meeting. And in January 2020, we will celebrate our second anniversary. Mm. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I remember there was a, a photo exhibit that started in 2015, which I think yes. you mentioned, like, there was an exhibit where people were given cameras to photograph what right. does hunger look like in your life, like, mm-hmm. in a very intimate way. Did you, any of you participate in that? No, that was before our time, but when we had our first meeting, they, um, Joanne and Marble, I'm sorry, Miracle were there, um, and they showed the photos that mm. started it all. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that it was powerful because I think sometimes hunger can be like a hidden 
issue in our society. Like yes. you can't always look at somebody and tell if they're hungry. And so these photos were, were not like a journalist going around and snapping pictures. It was like people in their own homes taking pictures of their refrigerator or their child right. and then writing what they wanted to say about it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a powerful thing to kind of represent like what's the reality of, of hunger in people's lives. I see you nodding your head over here. What do you want to add about witnesses? Me, me, I'm Wanda. As a Latina, a lot of Latino people don't understand the law and the regulation of food insecurity. Some Latino persons are embarrassed to tell people they're going hungry. Mm. So they prefer to go to bed hungry than going out there and get the help they need. And is that part of the work that you're doing with witnesses? Yes, I'm trying to get... A lot of Latino person involved in the group, you know, and I understand some of them don't speak English or understand English, but I'm always there to translate the words, mm-hmm. you know, and understand and help them understand what is this group is about. And I would like to see because I'm only the Latino person there; I'm the only one, mm-hmm. and I like to see other Latino people coming into this group. Mm-hmm. And what are the things that you say to people to help them feel comfortable going to soup kitchens or food pantries? Well, first, I'll tell them by my experience, you know, because I did suffer food insecurity since I was four years old when I came here to the United States. It was hard for me to get used to the food out here because I'm from Puerto Rico. And growing up, I see my mother always being embarrassed to go to a food pantry or a food kitchen to get us food. You know, she was too embarrassed, so... Me watching her doing that, I did the same thing. But now it's enough. I'm st- I'm tired of being quiet, of being food insecurity. I mm. want everybody to know you're not the only person going through the same problem. Yeah. And I love that you all have come together as a group to support each other in this. So does that help you to not feel like you're doing it on your own? Yes, it does. I always count on Susan. Susan is like <laughs> my backbone. <laughs> That's great. And Ms. Junie, can you share a little, what is your involvement with Witnesses to Hunger? Why did you get involved? Well, how I got involved, I have a cousin who's in it. And uh, I was on the green one side, and I was, I was going somewhere. And I said, and she said, where you going, cousin? I said, well, I'm going to go home now. He said, oh, no, come back. Come follow me. I said, where you going? He said, we have a meeting. And she would tell me about some of the stuff they was going. I said, okay, I'll join. And I've been in there ever since. Mm-hmm. And what have you enjoyed? What kind of things are you doing in the meetings? What kind of organizing work? Well, I learned, I learned since I've been there, I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Some stuff I did and some I didn't know. But when I first started going there, I was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. But I said, no, I can't be quiet no more. Because I, when, when, my kid, when I was bringing up my two kids, it wasn't easy. And I had to go out and get some food for my kids. So I said, you know what? I just mind to speak up just like everybody else because I went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're hungry, you're hungry. And I'd rather get the food to my kids than for myself, you know. Yeah. I don't want them going hungry and go to bed without no food. Yeah. What were some of the things that you've learned in, in the group? I learned about, uh, let's see, things that I learned there, how to, uh, how to let people know what's going on, how the group, what the group going on, talking about and whatever, about stuff that you can get help for food and stuff if you need it. Mm-hmm. And if something you don't know, you ask people and they'll let you know what's going on in the meeting. And yeah. then and um then some people some some of the some of us who were in the meeting they let me know, they talk to me about stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what what the meeting is about and whatever. Yeah. 
Susan, could you explain to us a little bit about what some of the work is that Witnesses does? I know sure. you do a number of different things. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, we do. Um, we're adding members through regular recruiting. We have over 30 active members. Uh, we are continuing uh, to build partnerships with anti-hunger and anti-poverty groups, and we're securing funding uh, to expand and continue our work. We do, we're trying to develop alliances with the youth in New Haven uh, to add their voice to our group and keeping an eye on hunger-related issues both in Hartford and in Washington and sharing our stories through advocacy media and photos. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of the things I think is so valuable about Witnesses to Hunger and why I wanted to invite you here is that you're using personal story to do social change work. And that is what I do on this show is get people telling their stories, because I think when people hear your personal stories, then it hits them in their heart and it can make them think something different, not just the soundbite on the news. And I know that's a big part of your work is mm -hmm. telling your story at the state capitol, telling your story to our political representatives mm -hmm. or to people at City Hall or in, even in your community about, about your experiences. And I'm wondering, I want to invite you to share some of your stories about what your personal experiences with hunger and poverty have been so that people who are listening can, can understand about that. Does anybody want to start? I'll start with me. Okay, my name is Juana. I'm 52 years old. I'm a Latino woman. I got three kids and three grandchildren. I never had it easy in my life. You know, I was physically, mentally, and sexually abused by my first husband for 10 years. Mm. And due to that, I went into drug addiction. I had a very heavy drug addiction for 38 years. I was in and out of incarceration. And I lived in empty houses, apartment cars. And one day, God put the perfect person in my life, and we decided to leave the area. And today, I've been 12 years clean. Congratulations. And now I like to share my story with people and let them know they're not alone. You know, I've been through that, especially being in physical abuse with your husband. You're afraid to speak out, you know, and that involved in food insecurity, you know, being homeless and doing drug addiction. You know, that comes in one. So me sharing my stories out there, I am think I could help somebody else realize, say, wow, I went, I'm going through the same thing she's doing, and she's doing something about it. Never be afraid to speak up what's in your mind, mm -hmm. especially with food insecurity. How has it, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing honestly with us. And I'm wondering, how has it affected you to, to tell your story versus just kind of keeping it to yourself? I mean, it affected me a lot because I was the kind of person that I hold everything in. I don't like to express my feelings and stuff like that, and I learned that because of the abuse that I was going through. So I always stood quiet about everything, but since I met my fiance, he taught me how to love myself, how to speak my mind, and how to go out there and help other women with the same situation that I've been through. Mm. You know, and like I say, don't be afraid to speak out. Your voice is very important, whether it's abuse, drug addiction, or food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. I see that there's many issues that you you're, you just mentioned that you've struggled with, and I see that you're taking like a really active role on the piece of hunger in yes. particular. Can you describe, because some people listening may experience hunger themselves and some people might not. Can you tell us 
just paint a picture of like a time when you really struggled with hunger so people can understand like what um, is that reality? When I started experiencing uh, food insecurity, like I tell you, I was four years old. You know, we came from Puerto Rico. We were staying with my grandfather. So there was 15 people in the household that he mm. we had to cook for and he was the only one working. So that's when I, the first time I started experiencing hunger. You know, I went to bed hungry every night till I was 10 years old and stuff. And then when my mom finally got into her space, you know, we used to run out of food and she was always embarrassed to go to a food pantry or food kitchen to get food. She always, always, always tend us with her friend to get food because she was too embarrassed. And so when I grew up, I started doing the same role she did. I was always embarrassed to go to a food, even when I had my kids, I was always embarrassed to walk to a food pantry. But since I moved to New Haven and I seen all these food insecurity around this world, and I know I went through it the same way they going through, I said, you know what, I need to speak out. I need to help these people out because sometimes there's information out there that you don't know about, mm -hmm. especially when you stay in the shelter. The shelter don't tell you where to get food or where to get help or help yourself. No, because they need that money, you know, that money flow. So, like I say, I talk to a lot of people who are in the shelter because I've been there because I lived in the shelter for right. three years. And, boy, did I go to bed hungry those three mm -hmm. years because they don't feed you enough. And so then what the, what are the places? What is the information that you're giving the I people mean, about how to get food? There is um the fellowship house um, mm -hmm. house. I mean you know there's always there's food pan, I mean soup kitchen. They serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you know there's people out here that know where they are, but some people don't know like like the Latino people. They don't know where some of these food pantries are or some of these food um kitchen are, and they're also afraid to go to a food pantry of thinking, because some of them are illegal in the United States, they're afraid to go thinking they're gonna get picked up or get deported. By ICE or somebody, yeah. And so they stay in the house and be quiet and don't say, I mean, I've seen families out there through at Walmart up in um, Hamden asking for money, begging for money. And so that, and that breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. That really does. And I do talk to that family, but they're afraid. Yeah. And it's very complicated because I know there's soup kitchens and pantries all in different locations mm -hmm. on different days, mm -hmm. sometimes not every week, sometimes once a month, mm -hmm. sometimes for dinner, but not breakfast. So it's mm -hmm. a lot to learn. It's mm -hmm. not the most straightforward thing. I want to ask Ms. Junie, would you like to share something about what is a story that you tell people about how you've dealt with hunger in your life? Well, I let them know, I let them know, because I go to church, I do, and uh, I let them know that churches be giving out food, like St. Matthew's and different churches in Verity and one, and I, and I stand in line before myself and got food, and I had brought them with me to get the food, people who I know, because mm -hmm. I know how it is when you're hungry, you're hungry, you know? So I don't mind letting people know, you know, if you've been there, you've been there, so why not help nobody else? Yeah. You what know? is that experience for you of, of waiting in line? Like I often see people waiting in a line like around the block waiting to get in. How so, does that feel or what is that experience for you? Well, well, when I first started standing in line for the food, I was kind of embarrassing. But then I said, no, why should I be embarrassing? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm getting, they're helping me. It's benefiting me and my kids, mm -hmm. you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't embarrassing no more. 
So I used to get my little push cabin. I used to stay in line. But sometimes you got to stay in line for like an hour or two hours. Mm. And then some people be pushing in line and stuff. So I used to back, I used to back, back and let them go ahead on. Because I said, whatever they give me, I take and thank God for what, I, what they gave me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be pushing in no line for no food. Mm-mm, I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> and Susan, how about you? Are there is there a story that you want to share or that you tell people to help them understand what, what does hunger look like in your life? It's never really been as much of a problem as some of the others in the group. Um, I was blessed when I was younger. Um, I grew up in the suburbs and then moved out on my own and, you know, started getting a little rocky for me. So I have I have uh, experienced hunger, uh, but not for any prolonged period of time. And what I what I did do was give back at uh, the church where I was brought up and they had a women and women and children's lunch program a food pantry and I worked with those um, for a few years to give back but as far as you know hunger personally um, it's sometimes not enough but it's never completely out thank God for Mm -hmm. my son um, who works and you know provides for our household it's just he and I um, but what what I did want to say is there is a food access guide that has recently come out, um, which you can go to either 211 or the um, City of New Haven website that lists all the food pantries in New Haven, mm-hmm. their hours. And uh, I understand after the first of the year, they'll be coming out with a Spanish version as well. So that should help folks yeah. out. That's great. That's really important because it is really difficult to know what's going on. It takes a lot of learning. Exactly. But one big piece that I, I think about around this is um, is transportation mm. because these these are these different soup kitchens and food pantries are located all over the place, and mm. most people who are using them don't have cars, and so you're relying on the buses or other ways of getting around. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the realities of transportation and and how much time it takes to then wait in line for an hour or two somewhere? Mm-hmm. Well, most of the ones who I know who go to soup kitchen, they do have to catch the bus. And, and then some of them, they don't catch the bus because they don't have a bus fare. So what they do, they walk with their carriage or whatever they got to carry. They walk with their carriage. They walk without a bag or something and stuff. And so a lot of people do catch the bus and get the food because they don't have no transportation. Mm-hmm. Then you stand in line for like an hour or two hours. And like I tell you before, they be pushing in line. Because I, I live in Hamden. And so uh, I know uh, it was a couple of months ago, we had to come, uh, our mayor and uh, the mayor in New Haven, we they came down and talked about feeding feeding people who hung, hungry all the time. And uh, that's one thing I can say about my mayor. I've been living there three years now. And he he, he do he do to let, let, let people know what's going on about what food, if you're hungry, don't be afraid to come and get it. Because he did, he did feed the kids this summer, breakfast, dinner, and supper. Because I live in back at Hammond High School, you know. So right, so they have the summer They have a summer, programs. yeah, you know. And mm-hmm. then they let, they, they let you know that they, uh, what place in the Hammond give it out. The churches give it out and stuff. And uh, some of the uh, places that give food out, uh, what were they about, uh, Dunkin' Donuts and Hammond. Mm-hmm. So I said a lot of people standing in line, you know. Yeah. 
It takes a lot of time. Maybe People I think you're rain. supposed to be out you working, know? trying to find a job, but the amount of time it takes. Yeah, yeah what did you want to share? Also, some food pantry. If you're not from that area, they will not give you no food. Because really? it happened to me a lot of times. A lot of times I've been down to Fairhaven. Just because I don't live in Fairhaven, they refuse to give me food mm. to take home. You know, so sometimes you got to update these food pantry because sometimes you got to go where you got to go to get that food. Right. You know, and some of them will turn you away just because you're not from that area. Mm. And if they receive food from the Connecticut Food Bank, they're not allowed to do that. If they're part of the TFAP program, you should report them to the Connecticut Food Bank and let them know that they have to serve you whoever you are. But in relation to this... um, Witnesses is also involved in what's called the Coordinated Food Assistance Network, which was started through CARE uh, and their REACH grant. And on the 28th of October, we brought together 30 providers of from food pantries to meet and try and form a network that where you know everyone can work together. Mm-hmm. So it, it went really well. So we'll be having another follow-up meeting. I think we're meeting in a couple of weeks with the team um, that put it together and then we'll meet again with the food providers, you know, to keep it going because they were very, very receptive. Yeah, and I think there's been desire and some work for a lot of years. That's how this guide got developed. I Mm -hmm. know through the New Haven Food Policy Council, through the city and different groups have been trying to coordinate so that uh, people knew where the soup kitchens and food pantries were and that they were open at different times to try to cover the days and hours of the month. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you about is different food assistance programs. And so SNAP, otherwise known as food stamps, um, is is something that some of you and other people use to be able to get food. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what is the reality of how much, how much assistance do you get through SNAP? How difficult is it to get um, and how does it how does it work for you? Well, for me, I did a um, a podcast with um, Colleen Shabax Shadax Shadax on um, on SNAP benefit. Mm-hmm. How she went with me on the first of the month to because I go to stop stop and shop because that's the only grocery store next to me, and she did a walk around with me and did an article on food. And how these groceries, they jack up the price on the first of the month. And you you can't, you can't get much on $194 a month. So I got to split my food stamp, get something on the first of the week, and wait to the third of the week. But sometimes my food stamp don't last to the third of the week. The third of the month. Of, yeah, because yeah. of the prices. But come the third week of the month, they have mass sales. Mm. Everything's on sale, but here comes first of the month. They'll jack up the prices right back up, and I don't think that that's hard for such a person who get food stamps. Mm-hmm. You know, and the food stamp don't last the whole thirty days. Right, and you're getting one hundred and ninety four dollars for how many people? It's only me mm-hmm. and my fiance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and my fiance he big. He likes to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and how has it been like when you first got qualified for getting food stamps was it really difficult or um well when i first got to the snap benefit i was in waterbury and i got it real quick you know it took like two months for me to get approved for my insurance and my food stamp and that's how i took care of myself you know 
through the whole my drug addiction and stuff like that. Only under one hundred and ninety four dollars for I could have food during the whole month. And when I came to New Haven, you know, I was still approved. And I didn't know out in New Haven, the food is so expensive out here. Mm -hmm. And me staying in the shelter, and they provide you with dinner when you go in because they kick you out at 7.30 in the morning. So you got to find food. You got to go to the soup kitchen, eat breakfast and lunch, and they serve you dinner at 5 o'clock, but then you'll be hungry. So I used to save my food stamp so I could eat out. Mm-hmm. But that only lasts me like for two weeks. Right. Mm. And do either of you have, have SNAP, have food stamps? I don't. Not anymore. I haven't had it since uh, my children were young, and my youngest is 33, mm. so it's been a while. Yeah. But my son gives me a food allowance, I guess you'd call <laughs> it, every week. Bless his heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not much, but I make it stretch. I usually end up going to the stores just about every day mm-hmm. because, you know, it depends on what I see on sale. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wanda said, everything at the beginning of the month is really expensive. So I try to avoid it. Also, the stores are very crowded. Right. Um, so I try and, you know, maybe get something just before the end of the month, you know, the last day of the month before. And then I can wait a few days into the first of the month till the, the rate, the wave is over. Uh, and then um, she's right again where the prices do go down. And it's like, well, if people had, you know, food stamps or SNAP, they could really rack up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times by the time you get to the last week of the month, yeah, you know, the cupboard's on E. Yeah, I so also noticed. I also noticed they market a lot of junk food at that time, in the beginning exactly. of the year. Cheap. So I see like soda and other things. Shrimp, um, and I actually cereals. went online to see like, is there research that shows there's actual research that shows that that people are putting a lot of junk food out at like the dollar, you know, very low mm-hmm. cost at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. So I just want to let our listeners know you're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM in New Haven, Connecticut, Community Radio, and this is the Table Underground. We are here talking with representatives from Witnesses to Hunger today, and I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Juni for a second. Do you have anything you want to share about SNAP benefits and, and food assistance in your life? Well, uh, well, I wasn't too long to start getting them. I didn't really want to get no food stamps because they give you a hard time. But what happened, I had got sick I did a couple months ago, and uh, and anytime I go to my doctor, here, they ask me, do you get food stamps? I said no. And I said, they people be getting on my nerve. I don't got time to be bothering people like that. He said, well, let me check it out. He said, what happened? He had, he had um, the social worker at Yale the, 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 uh, talk, had a meeting with her. And she told me, she said, she said let me check and see what's going on. I said, because your doctor said that uh, you're not getting no food stamp. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, I better do the best I can. I said, my kids grown now. They're on their own. So I do the best I can. I, I, I just have one mouth to feed now. So uh, I had a meeting with her, and so now I get them, but I get like $64 worth. Mm-hmm. So I say, hey, it's better than nothing, you right. know? Mm-hmm. So I do the best I can, you know? Yeah, well, it's great that it worked out like that. I mean, yeah, and I'm know, great that it, because I'm grateful. I was, I, I was, I'm anemic. Mm. I'm anemic. And so sometimes that's food in that store I can't buy, you know? Right. And they tell me I got to eat this and eat this and eat that. I said, well, I can't afford all that, that, that food there. That stuff's too high. So that's how I got it. Yeah. Because my doctor sent them a letter to them and let them know she is qualified except for food stamp. Whatever y'all give her, she appreciate it. So, mm-hmm. it, and so hey. Yeah, and I know for some people it's not as easy as that. Like I have a friend who has two kids and her husband's supposed to be paying her child support and maybe he does it once in a while and so DSS 
thinks that he's always paying it even though he's not. And so she has a has had an extremely hard time um, qualifying for food stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you all because, you know, last year there was the farm bill was up for um, recertification and the Republicans put a whole bunch of things in the farm bill, which is where food stamps, the school nutrition program and other things are part of the farm bill. And they put a number of things in that bill trying to change the work requirements and and change cut things in a number of ways that were going to make more people not qualify for food stamps and and really increase the poverty rates and hunger rates because of that. And um, I think when it eventually passed that some of that didn't happen because Mm. of advocacy from from groups like you all. I wonder, could you talk a little bit about um, how did you understand what was happening last year with the 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 farm bill and, Um. and SNAP and what did you all do about it? Okay, when we first found out about that, we did a big rally at the Green. We were out there with a blowhorn talking real loud. <laughs> we were letting people use our phone to call the legislator or the representative for not to them cut the food benefit. I mean, we had the Green on fire. <laughs> I mean, we were giving our phone to them, yes, say your name, say you don't agree about cutting their food stamp. And stuff like that. I mean, we had a powerful group at the Green. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, we were like, you don't got a phone here, use my phone. <laughs> and right. we had something written out in the car what to say. And go just read out what it says in the car. And you because know, your voice count because if they you get food stamp and they cut it, you're going to be the first person screaming about it. Right. So if you want to do something about it, get on this phone and make that call. And we walked all around the green. green. I mean, we went to the bus stops, we talked to people, and they said, okay, yeah, we'll call. And people all around the green were calling. Mm. And it was yeah. wonderful. People who lived on senior citizen building, the lady mm-hmm. was taking the car, and go, no worry, I'll get all these people calling. But they said they, said they had a big amount of people calling from New Haven. Yeah. And did you all meet with some of our, our federal representatives and state senators as well? We've met with Chris Murphy um, last summer, not summer of 2018, uh, when he went through, on his walk through Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met him at Long Wharf and then had a sit down with him the day after about, you know, the snap cuts. And we've also, uh, Rosa DeLauro is a big supporter of ours, uh, and she helps out with us when whenever she can. Uh, and this last cut that I was talking to you about um, where they're trying to cut the uh, energy assistance people, mm. people that apply for energy assistance. We, after our meeting, our last meeting, we sat down and wrote out our comments right there, you know, at the library, and everybody put, you know, that was in the meeting, put in a comment about, you know, why they think this is not right. And you sent it off to the right Senate then and representative's there. office, yes. right then and there. Yeah, yep. get it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How does that feel to you to go from like for you, you were homeless, you were dealing with drug addiction, and now you're like sending comments to your state, your federal representatives? I feel great. I feel great that I'm giving back out to the community, you know, and that's one thing I love is helping out my community and helping out the next person. Like I said, you know, I graduated and I was going to college and I was going for human service. That was my field. But I suffered a stroke in 2017, mm. so the doctor made me drop out of my college school and everything. But I'm trying to pick it right back up. But you know how you got to pay back your financial aid that you don't use, so I'm trying to pay that off. 
before I could go back. But I love helping out my community, and I love giving out information that they don't know about. Yeah. You know, I think like all these things you're doing are so important in terms of telling people how can they get food and telling your story, talking to your representatives. And then I think about like some of these things are Band-Aid fixes, not the Mm -hmm. policy change, but some of it is like our system is set up to keep people impoverished, right? Like it's there's only public transportation in the city, right? So if you don't have a car, it's difficult to live in a different town. Then you don't have the resources from a more wealthy town, right? Mm -hmm. And the services that you need as someone who's living in poverty are in the city, so you want to be closer to them, but the food is more expensive, right? Or if you've been incarcerated, then it's hard to get a job. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a job, then you can't get the food stamps, right? And so like all of these things keep people in poverty, as you explained, like for generations, for many people for generations. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um i know you've been doing a training recently about mm-hmm. thinking about systemic change and the and these exact systems that keep people in poverty especially black and brown folks but you know just keep people in poverty whether of whatever race as well um and what are some of the ways that you're starting to think about how do you change the system what are some of the the ways of of not just addressing you know, getting someone to a soup kitchen, but how do you change the the thing so that people are not staying and living in poverty and staying hunger hungry for their lives and, and for generations? Well, Aziz has been teaching us it starts with a vision and it ends with a goal. And so this is and Issa Mujadi from CT Corps who, yes. who has been doing your trainings. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, very powerful training it is. And and like I always tell him when he asks how it's going, I'm still absorbing it, but I, I did get that much out of it. So, so I, say it again. It was starts with a vision and it ends with, well, the goal is part of the mission and then... The values. The values, right to put them all together but you start with an idea and then build the idea through your community spread your message like we do um and get it going with people that can help you get to where you need to be in our in our case it's the legislatures and the policymakers mm-hmm. and get the message forward to them and then, you know, at the same time, like I told you a little bit about a project, which I won't go into too much detail about, that we're working on that will also bring uh, some light onto, you know, the food prices. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how that goes and get the data to that and look, say, look and see what we did and how, how you know, this justifies what we, we're talking about mm-hmm. and, you know, see if we can get some help from that way too. Mm-hmm. As for me, like I've been doing, I said, my... I'm getting a lot from the group. Like she said, you know, you got the value, the goal, and the vision statement. But there is a lot of racism out here in New Haven. You know, it all depends on the color of your skin. That's how they help you. Because mm. I experienced that a lot. In what mm. ways? Well, one was for housing. You know, I've been waiting for housing for almost 10 years. Mm. And they always keep giving me the boot. You know, every time they say, here's the key to the apartment, they pull it back because emergency happened and they need the apartment for somebody else. Yes, I understand that. But I've been waiting for almost 10 years. And for what, I, what kind of housing are you talking low about? Low house like income. Low income housing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, you know, I live on my disability mm-hmm. and mostly everything goes on my rent and bills. And so, so I'm trying to get into low house 
income and I've been waiting for 10 years and I did went to see a certain person but I guess my skin wasn't not too color enough for her <laughs> <laughs> so um I noticed that uh you know, sometimes it can sound sort of abstract, like having a vision and a yeah. mission and values. And so do you have some ideas in like concrete ways that, y- that you're working on on these system changes? I guess I noticed on your website that you were working on, um, there was a bill that came up for increasing the minimum wage, for example. Mm-hmm. Have you all been been advocating on that as well? We have. We've called in on that as well. We've gone up to the uh, state capitol to try and speak with our representatives. I emphasize the word try uh, because we, you know, reached out but were not responded to. Um, So we, you know, do what we can. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm wondering if you could share any of you a little bit about just some of the challenges um, that you're facing right now in your lives around around, um, getting food and and dealing with food uh, insecurity in your lives right now. Well, as for me, like I said, you know, I do try to go to food pantry and get food. And like she said, it's always a long line. Sometimes you'd be an hour or two waiting. And sometimes you'd be the last person on the line. By the time you get up there, mostly all the food are gone. You'll get only a couple of canned goods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm telling you, if those people that really need the food, you need to get there early in the morning for you to get the good one. Because mm-hmm. I always go towards the end. You know, I and let there's every, not much left, and it's not much <laughs> left. Yeah. So you yeah. know, I let all the other person, pertinent per person first, people with kids and family, because I think kids are more important because the kids need more food than an adult. Yeah. Because the kids are still growing and they need their energy. So usually when I see a family with kids, I always say, no, you could go in front of me. You could go in front. Next thing I know, I'm at the end of the line. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and how about for you, Miss Junie? Are you, are you having some challenges around getting food these days? No. So what I do now, uh, my God brother, he's a deacon at uh, St. Matthew's. So he, they always call me and let me know that they're giving out food. If I need some, he said I can come through. I can come there anytime through the week and get some food. Mm. Just give him a call. Somebody always at the church giving out food. So... I don't have no problem now, but I try to uh, go where I know I'm not, I don't get my feeling hurt. I know I know my God brother at St. Matthew's. Then I, I then I live in Hamlin, and uh, the lady Miss William, who I know, when I first moved to Hamlin, she helped me a lot. She always said if I need food, I can go to Hamlin Whitney Library, and she she always give me stuff if I want something. Yeah, you know. Are there also, suggestions for people who are trying to? who are hungry but haven't figured out how to plug in, like how can they find the um, the guide for food assistance? You can go on the City of New, Heaven, New Haven's website. It's also on 211. I know people don't like to really call 211 because of the long, but that it's, it's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to have it on our website. I'm not sure, but we can put it up on our website okay. as well. Yeah, and I'll post your website on, on the tableunderground.com so people can link to you. So I wanted to give you a second to talk about food in a way that you love because we all love to eat, right? And so it can be really challenging, I think, to when you're hungry, you don't get to take as much joy in food sometimes because you're, you kind of get what you're given yeah. at the food pantry. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sort of from like a food lover and creative uh, chef, creative cook, I'm sort of interested in hearing about like 
what are some inventive ways that you have done something good with what you got from a from a, a food pantry? Just anybody have any well, thoughts? Me, I like getting the dry beans mm. because the dry beans you could boil them and put them in a different container. And you have been through the whole month. Yeah. I love getting the dry beans. And a lot of people don't like getting dry beans because they don't know what to do They're with them. They're not used to cooking them anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with them. I'm like, listen, if you don't want the dry beans, you could give it to me because my mother always buy dry beans and she used to boil them, put them in a different container, and then throughout the month, if you need beans, you have beans. Mm-hmm. And officially, me, is the bean. I don't get a lot of, I don't really like a lot of canned goods because a couple of times, I got canned goods, and I opened the can, and it was rusty inside. Mm. So, you know, I really don't like it. I, I prefer to get dry food. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, me, I was raised up. I, well, I'm from down south, South Carolina. So I was raised up on the real deal, the good food, the collard green, the yam, the black-eyed peas, the cornbread, the baby baby lima beans. So me, I, I buy neck bones. So when I, I get, them, get them little food stamps, I just go do and stack up and get my little neck bones, my little black eyed peas and stuff, and, and then just frozen stuff. Because my doctor said that canned stuff is no good for nope. you. Says so no good. Nope. And stuff. He said he said I understand that you that, and you understand that you say you have to buy the canned goods sometimes. He said but if you do buy the canned goods, make sure you wash that stuff two or three mm-hmm. times. So now I try not to buy no canned good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know if I go to the uh, if I go to the uh, food pantry and get food, yeah, I just tell me I'm I'm good with canned goods. I'm good. I'm good. I'd rather buy my own stuff, you know? Yeah, or have I know fresh, it's fresh. The dry things I know it. The there you go. My black eyed peas, my butter beans, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I cook my own smoked neck bones with that. And I have my rice and my cornbread. I'm good to go. Yeah. That's did, you, did you teach Amen. your children how to do it? My kids, yeah. My they son my son, and my family, my niece and everything, they know how to cook now. Cause I, we came up on the real deal. Yeah. My grandmother and them from down south, they raised pigs, chickens, and all that stuff. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 I knew it was kind of hard, but hey, we ate. Yeah, my grandmother helped raise fifteen of her grandkids, and my grandfather helped raise us. And everybody in the house ate. We went to bed hungry, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, she made sure she had enough food for her to feed her kids. Yeah, amen. And do your grandchildren cook with you? Do they come and? Well, my granddaughter, she's eleven years old, mm-hmm. but she watched me what I be doing in the kitchen. Yeah. What you doing, grandma? I said, Well, I'm gonna let you know. You having some neck bones today and some butter beans. If you eat this, if don't, whatever you see in here, I eat that. But she now she eat it now. One time she didn't like it, but she eat it now. Mm-hmm. And my son talked to her and let her know. So I'm going to tell you now, you go to mom's house, whatever she has, she eat. Because that's the way she was raised up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my son, they, 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 he cooks, they do, they cook. Yeah, it's so important. And I think so many people don't don't know how to do it, you know. Yeah, then you they know? feel intimidated. And then, like, dry beans are very cheap, cheap. and they're really nutritious. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. again, my uh, parents taught, my par- my grandparents them taught us how to cook food on the grill. Instead, when you have no no lights or gas, cook on the grill. So yeah. when the big bad weather and storm, when I lived in Brookside, it lights everything went out there in Brookside. I had my grill on, hamburgers <laughs> and hot dogs and chicken out there on that grill. I was flipping it over, had a flashlight, making sure, <laughs> turning it over. You know what I'm saying? I said, hey, I'm gonna make sure it's done. I'm gonna make sure it's done before I give it to my kids. Yep. So it wasn't rural. easy. It That's wasn't it. easy, mm-hmm. you know. But I thank God. I'm blessed now. Mm-hmm. I'm Amen. blessed. Mm-hmm. I am blessed. Amen. Well, as for me, uh, I'm I'm an also a opponent of the can. Uh, I don't use it as far as vegetables. I usually get frozen; they're cheaper. Um, as far as like cuts of meat, like you know, they have the boneless chicken thighs and the boneless chicken breasts. I do it myself. 
it's cheaper to buy a pack of bone-in, skin-on thighs mm-hmm. and just take the bone out and skin off. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I wanted to say, I know it's getting a little late in the year and they'll probably be closing within the next month or so, but the the farmer's markets also double your SNAP benefits when you go. And that's another way to get fresh vegetables and fruits um, during the year. Like I said, they're, they're getting ready to close for the year. They, they actually move in indoors for the right. winter. So that yeah. they'll have a, just a Saturday morning market over at the MBA school on Water Street. So yeah. They for the winter time, yeah. yeah. So. And that was uh, like soon, soon as I said about the uh, the the wit the, 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 the voucher they give you. Now my doctor had got me that one time, but you know now they give you a hard time now. Mm. If you try to go, like I tried to get it this year, and they gave me a hard time. So I said, no, I'm not even gonna worry about it. The senior coupon, you mean? Yeah, the coupon because my doctor had he, they they helped me got that too. Mm. But now since I since I moved in Hamden, you know what I'm saying uh-huh. they try to give me a hard. Time. I said I don't even, I don't even stress it no more. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, they say, well, it's for the singers. I said, okay, let the singers have it then, mm-hmm. you know? Usually, I get the ticket from the farm market from my psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I see her, and she always gives me a booklet. But I don't hardly use it because, I'll be honest, I don't hardly eat vegetables. You know, I'm not a vegetable person. I'm more like a fruit person. Mm-hmm. Well, they have and fruit, too. Yeah, I know. I just go to the fruit and just pick the fruit. And they're like, you're not getting a vegetable? I go, I don't like vegetables. Mm. I'll eat a salad unless I'm in somebody's house. I'll eat the salad. <laughs> no, I'm not a vegetable person. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky because we get used to the foods we're raised on, right? Mm-hmm. And so different different families, different cultures, people eat mm. different things. Right. I will say I sneak greens into my beans all the time. Like black beans, you can put frozen spinach. Mm-hmm. You can put chopped up collards, kale, real small in there. And then mm-hmm. kids will eat that stuff and adults too, not even right. know that it's in there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I say, I'm Latino and I'm... I know it's tired not traditional. Spanish, to put into that. I'm tired eating Spanish food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. So now I'm moving into Italian food now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about before we finish, which is I'm curious about your perception of dollar stores. Because I noticed over the past decade, dollar stores have become little grocery stores with like frozen food sections and other things. And I have a lot of thoughts about dollar stores, but I wanted to hear a little like what what do you notice about dollar stores in the city or out of the city? Well, and and do you go there to get food or not? Food? Maybe if I want to cheat, you know, as far as a healthy diet. <laughs> I'll go and get something, but regular food, no. Um, it's usually a lot of preservatives. You know, I go to a nutritionist because I'm diabetic, and I've been taught to read labels, and those labels will scare you. Mm-hmm. Um, between the chemicals and you know the salt and the sugar, um, but as far as food purchases, no, because you don't get enough to you know. It might be a snack, but it's not anything that's going to be nutritional or you know mm. value well i tried a couple of times but it ain't, it ain't for me because uh uh my doctor uh my doctor and my parents parents always told us when you go to these dollar stores and buy food i know, I know it's cheap in there a dollar or whatever dollar and a quarter but you got to check that date because i knew a couple of times i bought stuff out of a dollar store like cream for my coffee and whatever and peanut butter and stuff then when i start eating i said wait a minute this tastes funny so and when i go in those stores and i check the date Cause mm-hmm. they do have food packed back there, and that people I knew who work in them dollar stores said they have food in them boxes back there, packed there for months and months. Now the dollar they had downtown here, they said all oh, that food back there was stale. That food wasn't no good, mm-hmm. you know. Cause I, I be careful now. 
Yeah. I'll be careful. No. Mm, me buying food from the dollar store? Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, maybe if I'm in a hurry, I'll probably grab like a little Popeye, chicken Popeye or TV, but buy food? No. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, a majority of them aren't dollar, dollar stores anyway. You know, it might say dollar on the on the marquee, but uh-uh. You get yeah, in and there. the ones in the city are the ones that are not the real dollar stores. Sure. And mm-hmm. then if you go outside the city, they are actually a dollar. And so when you start comparing prices between the quote-unquote dollar store mm-hmm. and the grocery store, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily actually cheaper. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a really tricky thing. But I, I was curious because often those are the stores that we can walk to, right, mm-hmm. that are like in walking distance versus an actual grocery store unless you happen to be lucky enough to like live near an actual... Yeah, and the other thing is those corner stores. Those Mm -hmm. corner stores will get you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, those corner stores will get you. You know, you got a lot of corner stores. Every little block, there's a corner. But when you go in there and you, I mean, what I was, I went to the corner store because I didn't want to go to Stop and Shop. I bought milk, egg, bread, creamer, and sugar. That thing came out to almost thirty-five dollars. Wow. Exactly. Because what they do is they go to the big big box stores buy there and bring it back to their store and triple the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then a lot of them, like she said, I was in shop right the other day and uh, I just looked at them people. I said, they said, she, oh, she all knows and I ain't being nosy. I'm just watching, seeing what's going on. What do people do? Did they go, who own their own stores? They go and shop right when start right, right now. They step on sale. They buy that and then they bring their store and sell it. Now they got two and two new stores downtown in New Haven now. Those guys go and and, and and price right and buy them chips. Then they bring for they still want seven you for a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. then they find you got food stamps. They don't want to give you no receipt. Cause I said I told guys when I said excuse me I said uh I'm spending food stamp. Well, he said well we don't get no receipt you no receipt. I said well I can't buy nothing from you then. Mm. Cause I want to know what I got left on my food stamps. Mm-hmm. Cause I want going to be embarrassing. Yeah. Right. You know. Well, I want to thank you all very much. I can tell you just sitting at this table with you, I can see the power and like the the energy and I'm Jewish, we say chutzpah, like the like, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? So like the the force that each of you had and it's really powerful to listen to you say, Ms. Junie is saying that you used to be quiet, right? Or that you used to feel like it wasn't no. your place to say anything for Wanda. And so mm. I think like I'm I'm very um happy to see the way that you all coming together through this organization has given you this feeling like you're not alone, like your voice really matters. Mm-hmm. And and when I was reading up on what happened with the food stamps around the farm bill last year, and I saw that actually a lot of those horrible things that the, the Republican administration was, was proposing got shut down because yes. of advocacy from people like you, That's from right. you mm-hmm. and from others around the country. I, I already believed in what you were doing, but I just, it made me feel really... Um, Encouraged mm-hmm. about what you're doing, Miss Junior. I got the one last more word. thing to say. Mm-hmm. When I was do, when I was getting the, uh, that voucher, whatever they gave out, I always, I never came in New Haven to buy no stuff. You know, I went way out. I went to West Haven because West Haven Green have fresh stuff. People grow their own garden, and that kind of remind me of down south, the real deal. So I never bought enough of that green down there. No, no, no. They're too mm-hmm. expensive mm-hmm. because you go there, they want too much. They want half of your stuff. You got your half of your books. You got. You go to West Haven, at least you bring three or four, uh, uh, three pages of your book back home mm-hmm. to spend it next time. Mm-hmm. And I got to know how to budget. 
Yeah. I came out of budget family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's a topic for a whole other show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yes. I want to say is if you want to learn more about Witness to Hunger, we got a Facebook called Witness to Hunger New Haven Chapter. Great. So we will link that on thetableunderground.com as well as your website, which is great. has a ton of information about what you do. And I want to thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. So people can uh, check us out at the website and follow us on all the social medias. And you can hear past shows at thetableunderground.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. This is WNHH 103.5 FM, community radio in New Haven, Connecticut.